The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This morning I mentioned that uh, there are times when it can be challenging to simply recognize, oh, this is what's happening right now. Difficult states of mind, particularly, uh, can, can um, make that hard if those difficult states of mind are uh, strong um, and also very habitual. Sometimes the, the momentum of those difficulties can be stronger than our ability to be mindful. And so an attempt to be mindful of those sometimes can just pull us under into that difficulty. And so I wanted to speak just a little bit uh, now about some some explorations around working with difficulty. Um, those of you who have practiced for a while in other uh, styles of practice, you can always use whatever tools you have used before in working with difficulty in this practice. And so these, these things that I'm going to offer today aren't um, particularly... Um, better or special uh, in terms of this practice, but these are things that I've kind of stumbled into organically in my own mind um, doing this style of practice as I ran into difficulty. Um, I think the most important piece, uh, for me at least, has been to see if there can be an attitude or to see if there can be an inclination towards curiosity about the difficulty as opposed to, uh, this is a problem, I have to fix it, I have to get rid of it. The very thing that feels difficult is actually something that is uh, asking to be understood, asking to be known, asking to be worked with, asking to be seen. So the, um, the difficulty itself is, if it can be, if, it, if we can turn towards it, um, then... Um, there are some times when it's more of a belief that I can't be with something than an actuality. And so that's something to check in. If it feels like it's really hard to be mindful, um, it's like, well, I can't be mindful while this is happening. Um, sometimes, sometimes we can bring in an attitude of curiosity, just remembering a, a tool that I found really helpful is remembering, well, this is suffering. This is the Buddha pointed to suffering as a place to explore and to uh, understand. And so to bring some curiosity to our suffering can sometimes shift the uh, the mind enough to be able to uh, hold it a little bit, to play with it, to work with it a little bit. Um, so the, that's that's one piece is just to to bring curiosity into your mind, um, and then a, a little bit of potentially b- before abandoning trying to be mindful of it to, to perhaps be a little more directed in the investigation of that difficulty. So instead of it just being like, oh yeah, there's lots of things happening. This is this is this thing, one of many things. Um, um, to, to, to turn a little bit more towards, oh, this is, this is the experience of fear or confusion or anger. And how does it affect the body? So we could use a few questions. How does this, this state of mind, how does this difficulty make the body feel? Turning to the body sometimes can help to ground us in the present moment so that we're not quite so whipped around by the mind state. So how does it make the body feel? 
Um, what are uh, what are other um, uh, what thoughts happen around this mind state? Are there are there beliefs and thoughts happening? So sometimes that checking into that what's being believed right now uh, that's connected with this difficult state. Again, to, it begins to expand our um, our sense of of what's going on and maybe uncover something that we might not have been aware of. Sometimes it can just be as simple as just checking in and, and what else is going on here? And just like, okay, well, this hard thing is happening and what else is happening? Again, to just broaden the, the sense of, of um, what's going on. Maybe expose something that hadn't been seen. And always when there is something challenging going on, if it feels like it's hard to be mindful, check the relationship. So feels like there's something happening, a frustration or an anger or something, and it's hard to be with, sometimes we can just check in and what's the, what's the relationship to this? And that will reveal something that um, helps us to actually, oh, right, that's what's happening is there's frustration and um, I'm angry about this frustration. So the, that the, the kind of seeing what's actually going on in the mind, so often when I've been caught in something, and uh, then when I actually recognize, oh, that's what's happening, that additional piece is going on, the mind has kind of relaxed and it can be, well, I can be with this. I can know that this frustration is happening and there's anger connected to it. So sometimes we can explore the edges around a difficulty in this way, checking into body experience, thoughts, um, the attitude, beliefs, and then there, um, there's a couple of tools that I found useful at times when the, the difficulty seems really sticky, like it's hard to, um, you know, like it's like the thing, it's like a magnet for our non-mindful attention. When something challenging comes up, it might just feel like we just get pulled into it and it's very hard not to pay attention to it. When that happens, I, I kind of will let myself acknowledge that there's many other things going on in the present moment. So there's this kind of magnetic pull to that state of mind or that difficulty. And, um, and then there's also seeing that's happening. And there's hearing that's happening. Not as a repression of the experience, but just to kind of remind ourselves that there's a lot going on in the present moment behind, besides this thing that feels like it is just taking up all of our attention. So sometimes a conscious expansion, and I might even rotate through my senses. It's like, okay, that that anger is happening, and they're seeing, and there's hearing. Oh, there's that anger, and then there's the body, contact of the body, feet with the ground. Oh, they're seeing, and oh, there's the anger again. So that it's not, it's not trying to not feel the anger, but it's consciously letting it be in a bigger container, letting it be in a broader context and um, kind of cycling through to recognize there's other things happening right now. That can, that can uh, help the mind be a little more balanced around a difficulty when it recognizes it's not the only thing happening. Sometimes with a, a strong difficulty, our mind just kind of amplifies it. And it's like it's the noisiest thing here, and it's almost like we can't hear anything else. But if we consciously shift to other things, it can, it can modulate the... The, the amplitude of that thing that seems so loud. And then sometimes I've seen um, 
um, it can be helpful with something that's kind of a persistent state of mind that feels like, you know, sometimes I can look at it, but it often will catch me up. Um, but it, and it keeps coming back that it's, it, it's a, it's a frequent visitor. Um, when that kind of difficult state of mind happens, I sometimes find that just keeping it really simple around noticing that, not trying to go into like, okay, how does the body feel? Or you know, to not do, try to do any kind of a real investigation around it, but to just um, be simple around it and, and recognize, um, okay, well, it's either happening, it's happening perhaps, you know, so just, okay, this thing is happening. And then um, the kind of the, the difference between being caught by this thing and, and, and struggling, having a feeling of struggle with it, and not being caught by it. Just so that the difference between, oh, this is what it's like to be experiencing depression, for instance. You know, just this is the experience of depression. Versus, oh, it's such a problem that I'm depressed and I'm going to be depressed for the rest of the day. And that's being caught by the depression. It's kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of landing in it and believing something about it more than it's just something that's happening right now in the present moment. And so that's a difference when it's happening, noticing the difference between being caught by it and not being caught by it. And there were, there were times um, with a particular pattern, and depression was one of these that I worked with in this way, to simply recognize, oh, depression's here. Oh, caught by it. Okay, so that's what's happening. The mind is kind of stuck believing this is a problem. It's, it's like, it's feeling like it's a little bit enmeshed in it. And then just noticing it every now and then, every, the, the mind would let go of that caughtness. And it'd be like, oh, this isn't a problem. This is just what it feels like to be a human being that feels slightly depressed. Okay, oh, caught again. <laughs> and sort of just noticing this flipping between caught and not caught. Um, partly, as I was mentioning earlier in response to one of the questions, this helps our mind to see that the, the kind of the extra that we add to it is something that is happening in our own minds. It's not inherent in the experience. It's, it's a relationship to it. And so the, 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 the seeing the difference between those helps the mind to understand, oh, this is extra. And this is maybe not necessary. Not that we can turn it off, but that we begin to see that the mind can have a different relationship to that experience. So that's one aspect, is to notice caught or not caught. Caught or not caught when something is happening. And if it is a particularly persistent pattern, something that you experience a lot of, it can be really useful to notice when it's not there. So you're going through your day and if you've noticed a particular pattern for, for myself, anger was one of these, depression at times. And, um, you know, I had a period on a retreat of several weeks where the depression was a very frequent visitor. And um, I just began to be curious about the caught, not caught when it was there, but also to consciously recognize when it wasn't there. Because our mind can orient more towards 
the challenge, the struggle, and it kind of like highlights, oh yes, that's happening, but it doesn't seem to recognize as much when it's not happening. And so when we uh, can acknowledge to ourselves, oh, that's not happening right now, again, our mind begins to understand something about the conditioned nature of that experience, that it's not always happening. It begins to poke holes in the belief or the view that this is who I am somehow. This is, this is my identity. This is, this is, this, I'm always like this. I definitely had some of that around miserable. You know, I thought I was always miserable. But no, actually, I'm not always miserable. But then, you know, kind of seeing how the mind in the non-miserable states doesn't just take that in and say, oh, not, you know, happiness is happening right now. The mind would instead do something like, well, yeah, I'm happy now, but I know what I really am is miserable. So the, the um, noticing and taking in the absence of those states can help to undermine that kind of belief that, well, that is who I am. We can begin to feel into, yeah, actually... It's not here. It doesn't feel like it's just waiting, lurking. It feels like it's not here right now. That depression is not here right now. And then maybe three minutes later, it's back. And we can start to see some of the, the conditions that lead to it. I, I noticed with the depression, for instance, that, that there were different conditions. One condition was I was really calm. And it kind of slipped into boredom and then into depression. That was one condition. Another condition was uh, seeing um, people walking and talking in small groups, feeling excluded. That was a condition. And so I began to see that there, I wasn't always depressed, but there were conditions that kind of my mind put together. Oh, they're excluding me because they're talking together. And it's like, well, that wasn't even true. But that's what my mind did with it. And so I began to see some of how this... Uh, pattern happened. So noticing when it's not there can help us to to notice actually maybe a little bit about how it comes into being and also helps us to recognize that it's not just, it's not who we are. So those are a few thoughts about um, working with the difficulty, some tools that can support us to kind of be a little more actively engaged around a difficulty as opposed to just kind of settle back, receive what's happening, what's happening. Um, sometimes we need to be a little more active in working with something that's challenging. And then there are times when we might need to actively not pay attention to something that is challenging. Um, If we find that uh, there was a period in my um, early years of practice around anger that I discovered that any attempt to be mindful of it, I would just get lost in the anger for a long time And so I began to recognize that wasn't so helpful to even try to hold it in a simple way. And so when I began noticing the anger, I would recognize, okay, there it is, and this is not the time to try to pay attention to it. So I'm going to put my attention on something else. So this is what I call the not now strategy. Um, It it, uh, isn't a repression. It's not a denial that it's happening. And in fact... In order for this strategy to be effective, it can't be that. You know, it, it has to be a very generous and friendly relationship with that difficulty. And so I would kind of see it and I'd kind of say, yep, I see you. Yeah, I see you and I see you want some attention, but now is not the time. So you can take a walk with me, but I'm going to take a walk and I'm going to pay attention to my feet. 
so that I just kind of, it was like an, an intentional ignoring, but not repressing. And I would just put my attention elsewhere. So to take it as far away from anything that would remind me of the experience of that anger. So I mentioned earlier that sometimes if we're experiencing a strong emotion, it will be felt a lot in this kind of visceral area between our nose and our hips and this whole area in the heart and stomach and intestines. Uh, And so sometimes attending to this part of the body is not a good go-to place when there's a strong difficulty. So um, it's helpful to have something that can be a go-to place that you can connect with, be at ease with. Uh, for me, a lot with the anger, um, connecting with feet was a helpful one. It was neutral. It was easy to connect with, especially when I was walking. And so I found picking something neutral and, um, and relatively strong sensation was helpful for me. Um, some other possibilities, if you have a, a good relationship with um, the hearing practice, that can be one that um, helps to kind of take us out of the physical uh, turmoil that's going on around a, um, an, an uh, emotion, as long as what it is that you're not reacting to or in turmoil about is what is being heard. Um, that can be a, a useful strategy to just open to hearing. Um, sometimes we can open to seeing, you know, orient to a simple, like just checking in, you know, I I would, I would sometimes, um, suggest that people use in a room like this, you could use looking at corners, you know, just picking a corner for a second. Let's all do this together. I'm going to do it. So why don't you do it with me? So find a corner and look at a corner for just a second and then uh, pick another one. And this can be any, two pl- any place two lines come together. So the corner of a door, the corner of a sign, the place of a uh, corner of a chair. So, and now pick another one. There's thousands of corners in this room. So just find a corner, any place two lines to g- come together and just look at it. And now pick another one. About once a second. Connect, look. And it's just like just know you're looking at a corner and then switch. And we'll do that for like 30 seconds. It's helpful to move your head while you're doing it. Connect and switch. So um, I'm curious if a few of you could just say a few words about how that was for you. Just you can call it out. I'll repeat it for the for the room for the mic. Neutral and relaxing. Neutral and relaxing. Distracting what was go- from what was going on before. Yep. Anyone else? Pretty easy. Anybody notice a kind of a a sense of well, you mentioned relaxing, but a kind of a calming or a settling that happened? Yeah, a few. I found it to be a pleasure that there are so many possibilities. <laughs> 
a pleasure that there's so many possibilities. <laughs> so this is a technique that, um, you know, it's pretty simple. For those of us who are sighted, it's simple. Um, and we can do this. We can pick something to look at for a second and then switch. It's kind of like using that, that, you know, just like just enough attention to connect with something for a moment and then picking another one and another one and another one. And in this way, we can kind of get a continuity of awareness going for like 30, 30 seconds, a minute, a minute and a half. And that's often long enough for the mind to really kind of let go of something that it was hooked to. So this can be another powerful strategy. If you're really hooked to something and you can remember this, this can give you a few, a few seconds to kind of get out of the mire of something. And then perhaps you can open again to, okay, wow, that, there's a lot of charge happening right now. And what's a good strategy? Okay, maybe taking a walk's a good strategy. So, um, so that, that tool is a good one you can use for you know, a minute or two, and it, it will really support, uh, it can, for, for many people, really support uh, a letting go of what you had been hooked to in the moments before. And this works because, you know, essentially what you're doing is, you know, I think of like the, the attention being like magnetized to something that's strong or, or challenging. It's like, it's like being pulled like a magnet. And what you're doing is kind of for a moment we can put our attention on something else and it's not magnetized to that. And if you keep going, another thing, another thing, another thing, which we can do if we're consciously connecting like that, it's like it's weakening that magnetic pull. Um, so you can, um, you get a break from it, but it also may, after a couple of minutes, be not quite such a strong pull to that thing once you've let go of that of that technique. So that's another tool for helping you to uh, turn away from something that's powerful and um, difficult to be mindful of. Um, sometimes people um, might want to use or can use um, meta practice. Now this is kind of a classic, uh, if there's a difficulty, uh, uh, an aversive reaction, um, there are places in the text where it recommends uh, replacing those thoughts around that difficulty with thoughts of metta. Um, so it is a classical instruction, and you can play with it and see if it's supportive for you. Um, many times for me, it was not supportive. Uh, it was almost as if the the difficulty... It felt like it felt like the difficulty um, was was being repressed when I tried to do the metta, um, and so that that energy of that difficulty was was rebelling when I tried to do the metta, um, and so uh, I would just come to something neutral instead. And that part of that part of the mind that was I was saying, yeah, I can't pay attention to you right now. I'm going to, you know, do this thing right now. I'm going to pay attention to this neutral thing. That, that part of my mind was willing to let me turn to something neutral. It wasn't so willing to let me try to make myself feel good with metta. So uh, check it out for yourself. This is my mind, uh, you know, so uh, I just want to normalize for you if you've heard this instruction about try metta when there's a difficulty and it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for everybody. It may work for you. 
So check it out and see if it's supportive for you. That's another possibility to use to use something like metta to help balance the mind when there's something that it's stuck to. So um, let's see. Ah, one other piece I'll just mention. So mostly been talking about working with challenging reactive states here, but there's some other states that are particularly... Um, you know, that can be a struggle for us that aren't so much reactive, but, um, you know, sleepiness, for instance, um, can be a challenging experience in meditation. When we're sleepy, we feel like I shouldn't be sleepy. You know, if I'm going to be mindful, I can't be sleepy. Um, or I can't be mindful while I'm sleepy. That might be a belief we have. And so, um, you know, some certain kind of states, and we're getting ready to do a meditation after lunch. This is possible that sleepiness will come. It often happens at this time of day. So I'll particularly mention it now. Um, so uh, we, we, we do often have a sense or a belief that we can't be mindful when the mind is tired or sleepy, low energy, spacey, these kinds of states. Uh, maybe a little foggy or dull, something like that. It feels like the the mind is clouded or something, fogged over. And, you know, how can I be mindful when it's fogged over? I mean, I can't, it's like it's hard to touch. It's hard to feel the sensations with all of this fog in the mind. And so uh, so we, we, we kind of can give up a little bit when that's happening. Um, and, you know, there's some strategies that sometimes can be helpful, especially if you're actually falling asleep, to open your eyes or stand up. Those can be interesting and useful tools for us when we're sleepy. But um, also there is, I think what, what's going on there often around sleepiness is that there is a belief that this is a problem and there's a belief of what it means to be mindful a kind of a sense of, if I were being mindful, being mindful means I can know the breath clearly. It means I can know sounds when they happen. And so there's a kind of a sense of the experience of mindfulness that's not available when uh, we have this fog in our mind. And so we think that we can't be mindful. But what about that? the possibility that you can know this is what it's like for the mind to be foggy? to not have to try to see through the fog, but just know the fog. This is a, you know, this is a kind of like aligning with what's actually happening in the moment, that the mind is is sleepy, is kind of um, stepped back sometimes from physical experience. Sometimes it feels like we're surrounded by cotton balls or it's just kind of receded from physical experience. But there's a maybe a kind of a relaxation in the mind, a kind of a pleasant quality there. I would say often when we are not resisting sleepiness, it's actually pleasant. But in mindfulness, often we do resist sleepiness and the resistance to sleepiness is unpleasant. And so we think sleepiness is unpleasant, but it's actually the resistance to the sleepiness that's unpleasant. And so what might happen if instead of uh, resisting the sleepiness, you just explored the possibility of, oh, this is what it's like to be sleepy. 
This is a human being feeling sleepy. That's what it's like. And let go of the, um, the agenda to be aware of anything else. And just knowing this. At times, um, um, when I'm teaching long retreat and I'm, you know, doing a lot of teaching and up late at night, there are times when I'm, I'm um, um, sitting in the front of the room and the mind is just so uh, tired. But, you know, it's like the, the, there, there's just this, um, this alignment with that and it's like, oh yeah, this is resting. If I don't have to try to do anything you know, different than what's here. It's like, what's it like to, to rest and be aware? And that, from that place, resting and aware, no resistance, it's like something, something different can happen. And, and, and I, I had to, I actually had to stumble into this in those late night teachings that, oh, okay, yeah, I can't, I can't like plan ahead what I'm going to say, but I can, I can rest and be aware and then speak from that. So this this possibility of being aware while resting, just being aware of that. Sometimes it can be the most, uh, almost nourishing thing for us, not to be fighting that kind of pull towards resting and like the mind, sometimes when it's sleepy, it is asking for rest. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be that mindfulness goes away as you um, let the mind rest. So that's just a possibility for you to explore. An analogy I'll sometimes use, I use the fog analogy. Um, uh, you know, like it feels like there's fog in the mind. And that analogy, um, we can think about a mirror Uh, as an analogy for mindfulness in a way. A mirror reflects what is in front of it. And that's very much what mindfulness does. It reflects. It reflects sight, sound, smells, emotions. You know, it's like what's happening is known by us in this reflective way. We know what's happening while it's happening because of this reflective capacity of mindfulness. And then... So the, 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 the mirror, the reflecting quality of the mirror is very like mindfulness. And then reflect on or think about the, the mirror if it's coated by steam. Um, you know, it, you're standing in front of the mirror and it's not reflecting you. You know, it's, uh, it's not doing the job that we want it to be doing perhaps. And so we might want to like take our towel and wipe it off. But we know that the mirror is actually already doing its job. It's reflecting all of that, all those little drops of water on the mirror are being perfectly reflected by the mirror. It's easily and effortlessly doing its job to reflect the fog on the mirror. It's just not doing the job we want it to do in that moment. And when the mind is tired or sleepy or spacey, that is often what's going on, is that, you know, mindfulness can pretty easily actually know that and reflect that. That's what's happening. That's the strongest thing that's happening. Spaciness is happening. Sleepiness is happening. And, uh, and yet what we often are not 
kind of in alignment with is that that is what's happening. We want something else to be happening. We, we want mindfulness to be reflecting something else. And so that um, creates a tension in the mind and often a sense of resistance and unpleasantness around the experience. And so again, this, this practice is helping us to kind of more come into alignment with what's actually happening right now. So those are a few reflections on working with some difficulty. And let's do another, another sitting. But if you'd like, stand up again for a minute and then we'll um, sit down and do another, we'll sit for about 35 minutes together. <laughs> 